Monetization Nation. Today, I am joined by Ken or Spanky Moskowitz. Uh, Ken is a storytelling expert. He is the best-selling author of the book, Jab Till It Hurts. He's a keynote speaker. He hosts a podcast called Entree Grow, and that's a brand under which he does some consulting. And he is also the founder and CEO of Ad Zombies. And so uh, we are going to talk about storytelling today. We're going to talk about ad copy. We're going to talk about how he followed Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, business model, recommended business model, and created an enormously successful company and, uh, and a lot of other cool things. Thanks for joining us today, Ken. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? I am super passionate about uh, foster care and adoption. And oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So my, my family, we have five kids and my wife and I fostered 19 and adopted three. So we have two biological, three adopted. And I think uh, there aren't enough people who are willing to open up their homes to children right in their own communities that need loving families. And so we are hugely passionate about it. We support foster and adoption agencies uh, in our home state and uh, encourage you to look into it. If you've been thinking about having kids, but don't want to have your own and, and have the heart and the space for a kid that needs a forever home, look into it. It's amazing. Are you aware that I'm the founder of adoption.com? I've spent 24 years of my career working in that field. No, I'm not. So this is, it's just, you know, meant to be. Yeah. So uh, when I was in college uh, up in Utah, I created my first business venture and it was adoption.com and started it in a college computer lab. And I am still running adoption.com today as my, my primary business, business venture. I sold it a little over a year ago, but I'm still running it for the buyer. That's fantastic. I love it. So I, I share that passion and especially the foster care side of it. I've worked as a CASA volunteer, helping abused, abandoned, and neglected children. I've, I am, am incredibly passionate about helping those children find their forever families. Can you share with us your journey, your, your story to become this, this amazingly successful entrepreneur and storyteller? I think that story started when I was a kid, you know, in the seventies, there was a gas shortage and plate, uh, cars were divided by odds and even. So if your plate ended in an odd number or an even number would, would determine the days you could go get gas. And I remember seeing these lines of cars where I lived and I thought, why are these cars lined up? And my parents told me what was going on. And so I did the, the thing that came naturally to me. I went to the lines and started asking people if they needed coffee or donuts or newspapers. And so I started working those lines every morning before school and started working just for tips. And I made thousands of dollars just delivering coffee, bagels, or coffee, donuts, and newspapers to people waiting for gas. It was uh, my first entrepreneurial venture. And I didn't know it at the time. You know, I just did it thinking, oh, this is cool. I'll make some extra money. But I didn't realize that I had those, I like to call them entrepreneurial tendencies because I don't, I don't consider myself a purebred entrepreneur. I'm not all risk, all reward, but I lean into entrepreneurship uh, heavily. And it started at a young age. I was 10 years old when that happened. So that, that, was, that was the start. Uh, I went into the broadcast industry and while I spent many years as a creative director and loved what I did, I always 
had a side hustle. And my wife pointed this out to me because I didn't even think about it as having a side hustle, but I always had another business. It was an outside production company where I was doing um, imaging production for radio stations all over the world. And I had clients in Ireland and you know all over the US, Canada, you name it. I had a radio station client there and built that business and then built a, a mobile DJ company and built a high-end wedding photography business. And so I got, always had these things going on while I had my full-time day job. And over time, I started to become, I don't know, the word is bitter, but I started to develop a little bit of a sour taste for not just the industry that I was in, but the way I was treated. And I felt like I was the one who was landing all the big accounts and big clients for the company. And yet I was never rewarded like the salespeople were because I was the creative guy. And so I got a pat on the back and a, and a pizza and they got to go on the Mexican Riviera cruises with the clients and it didn't feel right to me. And so over time I became bitter and resentful and made the decision on December 7th, 2010. I remember that date very clearly. I was at dinner with my boss and I said, I don't know what else I could do here. I feel like I'm done. And that was the start of my journey into working for myself forever. And uh, it was a few months later that I had figured out what I was going to do. And the announcement was made. And I left a company that everyone thought I was going to retire at. They thought I would stay there until I either retired or died. And, uh, and I chose not to. And instead, I went out on my own. And it was the best decision ever. Scary. Yeah. But the best decision ever. Okay. So let's ask a couple of questions about that decision. How old were you when you made this decision? I was in my forties and I had five kids. Like I still do. Um, they were all <laughs> just younger and it was, it was one of those things where I just, my heart kept saying, you got to do this. You got to do this. And, and it was scary, but sometimes the, the biggest rewards come from the scariest steps, yeah. right? That you, you take that leap of faith and you go, all right, it's either going to happen or it's not. And I had a lot of people cheering me on. In fact, I remember vividly that when it was announced at my old company that I was leaving, um, a lot of clients found out. And I had clients calling me in my, in my office and saying, hey, whatever you do, when you go out on your own, uh, we would love to continue to work with you. We would love to be clients. So, you know, please stay in touch. And I'm grateful for that because se several of them became my clients and several of them helped me really launch my business. So if it wasn't for those connections and if it wasn't for those relationships that I had developed over my many decades in the broadcast industry, I don't know that my business would have gotten off to the successful start that it did. I don't know that I would have landed M&M Mars as my first client. Let's talk more a little bit more about that decision because that is a scary decision point, right? It's like you're, you're in the light and you're standing at the edge of the light and you need, you're needing to take that leap into the darkness, right? And, and you, you think you know what you're doing because you've, you've been in this field and you have some relationships and you think you're going to be okay. But, but tell me about what you were feeling and, and how you took that leap. I kept hearing that woman from Poltergeist saying, don't go to the light. <laughs> but I literally, I was so drawn to the freedom or the, the idea, the thought of what that would look like. 
that I, I just had to go. I, I always knew that my plan B worst case scenario is I could just go back into the broadcast industry because they were so devastated when I left that I knew that I could find a home there or somewhere else in that industry. So I was never fearful of like, well, I'm, I'm slamming the door on the industry that, that I really came up in. I just knew that it was time. And, and so that leap is scary. But at the same time, what I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, it's go time. You, you're either going to sink or swim. And there is no give up in me. There is no, like, I am just wired in a different way. I just, I am so tenacious that failure is not an option for me. Yeah. And I will do everything in my power to support my family. And that's exactly what I did. And so I just hit the ground running and while there were some tumultuous times in the beginning and trying to figure things out, got through it. And, you know, then a few years later, uh, this other business came to life, Ad Zombies, while I was running my other business and Ad Zombies came to life. And that just became this massive beast that just took over everything. Okay. So I want to talk about Ad Zombies, but before we do, let's just go back a little bit. So you, you take that leap you left your job. Tell me about that. Those first few months after you left your job, how did that work? What did you do? What were you feeling? I felt very lonely. Um, I recognized that part of being in the corporate world, uh, I had all these built-in relationships that daily check-ins with people. I had human contact and suddenly I was on an island by myself and it was very lonely. And I remember at times feeling despondent and a lot of sadness because I missed those relationships. Yeah. At the same time, I recognized that I had the ultimate freedom to do as I believed things needed to be done. And I remembered as I was bringing on clients that I was really adamant about, let me be the guy in charge. Let me do the creative. Let me drive this for you the way I wish I could have done back in, in the corporate days, but I didn't have that flexibility, that luxury. And so really the ability to be in the driver's seat of sales and then put on the hat of creative and then put on the very uncomfortable hat of bookkeeping uh, and then put on the uncomfortable hat of IT management, like all of these hats that I was wearing, none of them fit me right, except for one, creative. And so I had to grow into several other hats until I could afford to surround myself with people that could fill the gaps that I, of the things that I sucked at. Okay. So let's talk about ad zombies. Um, it, and, and let's talk about your book too. Okay. Um, tell me the story of how you followed Gary Vaynerchuk's advice and you built a seven figure brand. So Gary V had, was always an interesting character to me. I, I, I had met him several years prior to starting Ad Zombies, I was invited to an event at Lincoln Center that Seth Godin was part of and Gary Vee and Dave Ramsey. Now there's a real mix, the financial yeah. <laughs> Dave Ramsey guy, right? And, and I remember getting the invite from Dave Ramsey's people and, and I was like, do you guys realize that Gary Vee like swears? And, and here's Dave, a very proper Christian, doesn't, I don't think you've ever heard a swear word come across his lips. And then there's Gary Vee, and then Seth Godin, who's kind of like in the middle there. And, but I went to this event, uh, spoke with Seth, met Gary. It was kind of cool. 
And over the years, I had stayed in touch with him very casually. Back, back then, it was he was Gary Vaynerchuk, but nobody really knew who he was. He hadn't scaled his personal brand yet. So yeah. those casual touch points were really cool over the years, but nothing like, oh, wow, I know Gary Vaynerchuk. And so fast forward, March 6, 2017, I accidentally started Ad Zombies. And I truly say that it was an accident. I was in a Facebook group. Somebody struggled with some really poorly written copy and I offered to rewrite it. And I rewrote it right there in the comment section of the Facebook post. And that is how this business started. Somebody, <laughs> somebody needed help. I helped them. I jabbed, as Gary says, um, and the rest is history. Well, from March 6, 2017 until September, we were growing rapidly and I didn't have any systems or processes in place. Like literally I was using color coded emails in Apple mail so that when somebody placed an order, we would get a, a green tag for money, a yellow tag for creative brief, a red tag for, you know, it was so stupid, but that was my version one because I, I'm not a tech guy, right? That's not my expertise. That's not my area of strength, my, my superpower. And so I started with this really just ugly system and it quickly got out of control. And I brought in a friend of mine to help write ads and creative. And the next thing you know, I have a couple of friends writing that are obviously in the creative field so that, so that I'm bringing in people that are qualified writers, but I had no systems and processes. And I shot Gary an email and I said, hey, uh, my next trip to New York, I'd love to get together with you for dinner. Uh, started this business by accident. It's taking off. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it, how to make things happen because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And that was really the, the email. It was very, it was just like, I made this thing and I don't know what to do with it. Help. You got, you got some time for me. And um, so he shot me back an email pretty quickly that his, he was pretty booked up, but he was hosting a dinner event at city winery and asked me if I wanted to attend that. And it was with a couple of uh, small business owners. So I said, sure. So Kim Garcia from his team made the arrangements with me. I flew to New York and joined Gary for dinner. And that was in early October of 2017. So only months after Ad Zombies started. And I'm in New York and at dinner and I explained to Gary what's happened, how the business has grown, where we're at financially. And he looks at me and says, well, you've got at least five people in your social circles that have built and scaled an eight or nine figure company. Why don't you just reach out to them and give them a piece of the business, give them an equity play in your company and they'll see what you've built so far and give them the opportunity to help you grow and scale because that's their superpower. I'm like, okay, this is a great idea, Gary. And, and then I'm thinking to myself, but who the hell are these people? Because I couldn't think of who they were. And um, after that dinner, that was on a Thursday night, I remember walking, one of the attendees at that dinner was Rachel Peterson. And I walked Rachel Peterson back to her hotel. She was very pregnant at the time. And, and as I'm talking to her and walking, my brain is just, I'm going through, who do I know? Who do I know? Who do I know? And I couldn't come up with anything. And that night I spent 90 minutes on the phone with my wife and I said, here's what Gary said. 
And by Friday, we had a list of three. By Sunday, I had emailed all of them to arrange lunch. And my first lunch meeting was with my now business partner, Brandon Disney. And we went out for street tacos in downtown Gilbert and margaritas. And I had explained, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to build. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I gave up 20% equity in the business to bring on someone who's grown and scaled a business to massive success. And here I am today. So you would recommend that strategy to other people? Absolutely. You know, Gary's advice to me was so sound. His advice was he, he split it into two categories. One, are you planning to, to, to grow and sell or grow and keep? And I said, well, I'm planning to grow and keep. Great. Then give up 20% equity to a partner that can help you grow and scale. His advice, if I was going to grow and sell, would be to hire someone to do that. Yeah. And right, because there's a different, a different path when you're looking at business. Do I want an employee that helps me get there? That way I'm not giving up any equity as the sale comes through. Or do I want a partner? Well, I had already known Brandon. He and I, Brandon and I had been friends for years and he was very successful in what he did. So it was a no brainer for me to go, hey, this is the guy and I want to keep this business and let's see what we can do with it. And I, I never envisioned at that time that it was going to become a multi-million dollar business. He still was questioning, how do we make money selling $50 copy, like writing ads for businesses? But over time, he saw what we did, how it worked, and understood how this business could scale. And it needed his outside perspective to understand that. Okay. So some key takeaways of what we've talked about so far is number one, you left when you were in your 40s. Uh, prime time, maybe, for starting an entrepreneurial venture, do you think? It's prime time for at any time, I believe. I think it's, it's when your gut tells you it's time to jump. And too many yeah. people don't listen to their gut. They, they have a lot of this self-doubt, this conversation going on in the back of their head. What if I fail? What if this doesn't work? And I encourage people to replace those conversations for what if I'm wildly successful? What if this propels me to where I want to go next in life? You know, a lot of us are driven by fear and we have these what if conversations that go on in our head. And, and really the what ifs are things that never happen. And so we get stuck in this, in this place of doubt and we're afraid to make the leap. And so I think anytime when your heart tells you it's time to move on, when your gut says go, listen to it and go. Trust yeah. your gut. It will never let you down. I think a lot of people don't make that jump. They're afraid to because of, of the perceived security where they are in their, in their corporate job. And they think that staying where they are is, is secure and that entrepreneurial ventures are less secure. And I think when you get to the other side, you perceive it a little differently. And, and I think having your own, well, let's ask you the question. Do you think having your own business is more secure or less secure than a corporate job? I am so glad you asked me that, Nathan. Um, I'll tell you it's more secure and here's why. You know, as many people saw at the start of the pandemic, people were working jobs and got laid off in mass numbers. Yeah. Entrepreneurs didn't lay themselves off they figured out how to pivot and adjust their businesses and 
figure out ways to do things better, more efficiently, right? You are in control of your own destiny when you are your own boss. Now that has good and bad attached to it. Good if you're a hustler, bad if you're not. But if you're a hustler and you built your own business and you've got the momentum, it's easy for you to figure out how to navigate trying times. There are four, four real key elements that you have to have. First of all, destination is incredibly important. If you don't know where you're going, you can't get there. So when you start a business, you have to have that destination. And then you have to move towards that destination, right? You have to get there. And if things go south, which they inevitably will, as we saw with the pandemic, yep. you've got to be able to shift to pivot your, your position and, and do something different, right? You have to react to it. And, but I think one of the key things is so many people forget that you're doing this because you wanted to, that it's something you, you desired, enjoy the journey. It's, it's going to be ugly at times. It's going to be messy at times. It's going to be sad and fulfilling and all of those things, but enjoy it because it's yours. It's your baby. You're in control, like you're driving, which is so powerful. Earlier in this interview, you talked about that your business, your new business kind of got started by doing a post on Facebook. Yes. And you referred to it as the jab. And in your book, you have a chapter talked about all about that jab. And, and you're referring to um, Tony Vaynerchuk or, or um, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Jab, Jab, Right Hook. Correct. Um, can you... Tell this audience a little bit about jab. What, what are you meaning when you're talking about jab and how, can, how should they be jabbing? Sure. So, so in Gary's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, he considers jabs gives, right? Giving, giving, giving without expecting anything in return. And the right hook is the sales pitch, right? So every it's three jabs, three gives to one ask. And so that's the ratio he believed things needed to happen. And when Ad Zombies began, I found myself in Facebook groups constantly giving, 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 giving of myself to help people overcome the challenge of bad copy in their ad, their email, their landing page. Think about all the things that need words in our businesses. And because I'm really good at writing them, right? That was my superpower. I'm a storyteller. And so, so I would just give of myself and, and I would find that I would give of myself without expectation of getting anything. But the more I gave, the more the business started growing. And it was like this snowball effect of like, I'd give no expectation. And then all of a sudden, holy crap, there's this growth spurt. What caused that? And I, for the longest time, didn't associate what I was doing with the success that we were having. I, I there was, for some reason, there was like a mental block between the, the behavior and the result. And, but I started to realize that it's the more you give, the more you receive. And it's really, it goes back to things that we learned as kids, right? Do for others, do unto others as others, as you would want others to do unto you. It, it really is this self-fulfilling thing when you just give of yourself freely. And so I just kept going into Facebook groups and, and giving 
And that led to people you know, becoming customers, which led to the growth of the business, which led to more giving, which led to me being asked to speak on stages about how I grew my business, which then led it to people coming to me and saying, hey, could you help me grow my business? I've watched you grow yours. And a whole new business emerged out of that. So it's amazing when you just give of yourself, when you jab without any expectation of anything in return, what can happen out of that is remarkable. Thank you so much, Ken, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, sometimes the biggest rewards come from the scariest steps. Number two, we have people who are willing to help us succeed and shouldn't be afraid to reach out to these people to ask for their help. Number three, entrepreneurship helps us to control our lives and our work. Number four, we may want a plan B when starting a business, as long as we don't let this stop us from truly trying. Number five, at first, entrepreneurship can be lonely. As our business grows, however, we'll be able to interact with more clients and employees and have more human connection in our lives. Number six, entrepreneurship can provide more security than a corporate job. Number seven, if we wish to grow and scale our business, consider bringing on a partner or hiring someone with the skills to help us do that. To learn more about or connect with Ken, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or visit his website at spankymoskowitz.com. And you can find links to both of those sites on the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn to identify and leverage the highest passions of our ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your venture. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.